3: Hello and welcome to the Game Day podcast with me, Sam Matterface, the assistant editor of The Mirror, Darren Lewis, and Talks Force Alex Crook after a wonderful weekend for Wales, but disappointment for Gareth Southgate. We'll look back at the greatest night in Welsh football history as they look to embark on a journey to the World Cup for the first time since 1958. But whilst the euphoria is surrounding the Welsh Dragons, England, well, they couldn't even breathe any fire. In Hungary, although it was pretty hot apparently, and that's the reason why it wasn't particularly great. But forget that; it's Germany next, and that always brings the best out of England. We'll also talk about some of the other transfer stories doing the round, some other big bits of news from the world of international football, and of course, well, the usual jovial stuff on the Game Day podcast from Talksport. This is Game Day. Hello to Alex Crook and Darren Lewis. Good morning, afternoon, evening, wherever you are in the world. You okay?
4: Yeah, I'm really good. Good, good. I have to say, I was on air uh, throughout the uh, the Wales game on on Sunday night with Dean Saunders. It was an absolute nervous wreck, but what an achievement for them.
3: Yes, yeah, so I was in the studio just prior to the game, and Dean Saunders just walked in. Now, for no reason, he just f- forgot where he was. Like a little bit, like uh, you know, you know, like your granddad who just uh, turns up at the wrong party every now and again. He just wandered into the studio and then looked at me and went. I don't think I'm supposed to be here, and then walk (laughs) straight back out again. I was like, okay, the game hasn't even started yet, do Don't let your nerves get get the better of you yet. Listen, it was a brilliant performance by Wayne Hennessy, who I thought was absolutely terrific. And we will talk about Wales and and Ukraine in just a second, England as well. Um, The one question I wanted to ask you first of all, Darren, was how much time did you spend over the weekend watching the Queen's Jubilee, because it was a very royal occasion here in uh, the United Kingdom over the weekend, and how much time did you spend watching the Nations League?
2: I've got to say the Nations League did tip the balance for me not least because it was the first opportunity to see uh, England in action Uh, you and I and Crook we've debated all the many attacking talents and how we thought they'd play etc etc and obviously we're going to get to that Um, but Wales I was just fascinated and then obviously very pleased I watched all the build up I was really pleased for them because I've seen many Iterations of the Wales team try and fail to get to major tournaments. And then obviously we had that Euros campaign uh, a few years back, and now we've got this. So I am absolutely delighted
3: for them. Okay. um, Right. We'll get into England in a bit. Uh, But first of all, we have to start in just one place Cardiff.
4: What we've done for this nation, put them on the, the world stage, the world map. They deserve everything, these fans, and um, that's what we try to do for them.
5: We've always been the underdogs. We've now got a team that can play against anybody. It's like walking down downstairs when you're a kid on Christmas and just seeing all the presents. It's just a massive relief. Things like this will stay, stay with you forever. This is the best moment um, of my footballing career, without doubt. In my lifetime, I'll be able to see Wales playing in the World Cup, which I never thought was going to happen because we just kept failing.
1: You're so
3: golden. Gareth Bale said it was the greatest result in Wales football history as his magic moment, which forced Yarmolenko into scoring an own goal, ended Wales. 64-year wait to get to a World Cup. Uh, they're going to be in Qatar They're going to play England uh, and it's going to be a magnificent trip for the Welsh support. I'm sure they're going to take up every opportunity to try and be part of the journey. I must go back, though, and say, Wayne Hennessy, take a bow, fella. This is Burnley's reserve goalkeeper, Crook. And he was the... I mean, we talk about words like heroic and bravery in so many different contexts. And obviously, when you've got the situation involving Ukraine and Russia, those words sometimes don't have the same level of meaning. But in a football context, on Sunday evening, in Cardiff, in the rain, in the most intense circumstances, that fella popped up with an inordinate number of saves. Yeah, he's become a Welsh legend. No question about that. I agree with Gareth
4: Bale. I think this is the most seismic result in Welsh football history. I know they reached the semifinals of a European championship not that long ago, but to get to a World Cup for the first time since 1958, Robert Page, the entire squad, uh, will go down in, in Welsh folklore. But the fact that Hennessy was man of the match means we have to have a fair degree of sympathy for Ukraine, not least because of what is going on back home. Their supporters, uh, many of them in tears at the end of the game, were magnificent once again. And they couldn't have done any more. You know, they were equally good as they were against Scotland. On this occasion, luck wasn't on their side. They came up against an inspired goalkeeper, a a dodgy VAR decision because they should have had a penalty in the first half. There's make no bones about that. And a a real slice of misfortune with the own goal. And you have to feel sorry for for Yarmolenko, who really has been a leader uh, for this team in such trying circumstances. He didn't deserve that. Ukraine didn't deserve that. But it was
3: about a football match. It was about getting to the World Cup. And Wales are there. Yeah, let's talk a little bit about that penalty decision because Yarmolenko uh, obviously felt as if he should have had uh, a, a, a penalty. A VAR check did take place, but they very quickly dismissed it. Joe Allen seemed to sort of try and clear the ball. Yarmolenko came from the blind side. What do you think, Darren? I mean, we've had so many controversies about VAR. Was it a clear and obvious error by the referee?
2: Not for me, as you just said. Uh, Yarmolenko came in via the blind side. I don't think it was an intentional. Um, infringement, if you like, um, and as far as I'm concerned, it was right—the right decision not to give the penalty. Uh, listen, I think yeah, uh, Ukraine were impressive overall. They were against Scotland. I think they ran their race against Scotland actually, mm. and I think they were probably a bit. It was very <laughs> emotionally intense for them these two games. I, I, I've got to admit, and I know this kind of slightly bucks the trend. But, you know, this was a football match. I know sometimes we talk about what goes on back home, but we also know a lot, a little bit about the stories back home. Uh, we know about the families being separated from kids, the death, the destruction. We sometimes overplay football a bit. You know, I don't think if someone's still worried about where their son or daughter is, that the performance of the football team in, in reaching a World Cup is going to, alleviate any of the stress, the despair, uh, the devastation. If you've lost, you know, siblings, parents, grandparents, you know, the the sport in general will not make up, in my opinion, for what is going on over there. So sometimes it's important to get it into context, but within a sporting context, certainly the individuals and and the people closely connected with, with the Ukraine, you know, they've done superbly well. I know the FAW, uh, Football Association of Wales, have paid for around about 100 uh, supporters to come and watch the game, which was a terrific gesture from them. And it was just a shame from their point of view that they couldn't do what uh, the nation had wanted. But as I say, you know, I think as far as the two games, are concerned the Scotland game and this game I think it was a very emotionally intense couple of matches for them and maybe they just ran their race in that previous match
3: yeah and bearing in mind that six of the starting eleven are play for Dinamo Kiev or Shakhtar Donetsk and haven't played competitive football over the course of the last nine months yes they've had an intense training camp over the last Six weeks or so, but that's not really making up for football fitness and playing two games in five days. Obviously, it was always going to have an effect. Not that that actually showed too much during the course of the 90 minutes. I actually thought they were incredibly impressive and very unlucky not to to breach Wayne Hennessy, who did have a Superman uh, performance. And like you say, you have to put it in context. At the end of the day, one thing is definitely sure. Ukraine has made itself in a place in in people's hearts forevermore, I think, after the empathy we all feel with the people, but also the bravery of the players to come out and do their, their level best. But it is a Wales story now. They will be going to the World Cup. They'll take on the USA on the 21st of November in Qatar. Then they'll take on Iran. And then the big showdown, the final game, the group game against England on the 29th of November. I must admit, I am full of excitement about attending that game. I'm sure you are, uh, Darren, as well. Um, And I think we probably need to pay a little bit of tribute, Crook, uh, to to Rob Page because, uh, you know, in, in trying circumstances, this is a guy who's taken over a team. He was never expecting to be the Wales manager. But on a day when leadership is certainly being questioned, I think we can certainly give him a vote of confidence.
4: Yeah, we certainly can, uh, not just for the, for this tournament, but obviously steered them through the European Championships into the knockout stages uh, of that competition. And when you look at the Welsh squad, yes, they've got a genuinely world-class talent in Gareth Bale, although somebody whose powers are probably on the wane at the very top level. But I think he now has firmly established himself as arguably the greatest Welsh sportsman of all time. Uh, Aaron Ramsey got through 95 minutes, despite the fact that David Tanner, our Scotland correspondent, questioned his match fitness uh, on the podcast we did previewing the game. You look at the rest of the squad, Hennessy, as you say, backup goalkeeper, Connor Roberts just been relegated with Burnley. He was outstanding. Joe Roden, not a, a regular starter for Tottenham. Uh, a brilliant shift from him. And even on the bench, there's players like um, Joe Morrell playing his trade in, in League One for Portsmouth. So they are punching above their weight. But I, I give themselves a great chance in this group. You mentioned the fixtures there. Uh, obviously, the, the most difficult game comes in the final uh, round of matches. They'll be hoping that will be a decider uh, to see who tops the group. I think with that spirit and that unity that Rob Page has managed to uh, managed to inject into the squad, I
3: think they've got a great chance of finishing runner-up behind England. Uh, well, USA Drew with Uruguay over the weekend as well, so don't get too excited just yet. And um, I, 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 Ethan Ampadu has played more games for Wales than he has for any other club, I think. Yeah. I mean, like, ultimately, he's a Welsh footballer more than he is a club footballer. He's done very, very well for, for Wales and everybody who's been in charge of Wales trusts him because he's a good footballer, but he never seems to get into a club team. Nico Williams was brilliant, as always. He's, he's, he actually forced a, a lone move away from Liverpool because he wanted to be able to try and get into this Welsh team to play in the World Cup. And he, hopefully, is going to achieve... That dream. So well done uh, to him as well. I must say, I don't know too much. I'm, I, I've spent a bit of time in Wales. I've spent quite a bit of time in Wales. There was a period when I was going there every other week. But ultimately, I'm not steeped in Welsh culture. But yesterday, listening to the pre-match activities, the folk songs, which were were sung about being Welsh and what it means to be Welsh, the rendition of the national anthem prior to the start of the game. It was spine-tingling stuff, and it just gives you a flavour of how important football is to people in Wales. And Bearing in mind, you know, going back down the years, Darren, Ian Rush, Ryan Giggs, Mark Hughes, Craig Bellamy, John Hartson, Robert Earnshaw, these characters that were in the Welsh team over the course of many, many years never got uh, to a World Cup. They got close on occasion. There was heartbreaking times under Mark Hughes, I remember. But ultimately, they've never got this close to a World Cup before. Now they're going. I mean, it's an amazing turn of events, isn't it?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, if you're Neville Southall and Ashley Williams, you're getting close to a really fairly stylish eleven. Um, <laughs> uh, and, 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 yeah Well, indeed, you know, goal scorers, creative midfielders, quality defenders, the top goalkeeper. I mean, I remember 1993. I'll always remember 1993 because uh, Ryan Giggs was just starting to take flight. Um, Some of the players that you just mentioned there were in the Wales team. It looked very much as though they were going to do it. They came within one penalty kick. I remember watching as a um, 20-something Year old, I think I was at the time.
3: 30, Thirty-five. <laughs> Shut up! <laughs> you, you just picked up your pension, didn't you? <laughs> I love the fact that the, his first thing was, "I remember 1993 really well." Of course you do, because it was you know probably sort of like the, the, the start of your career. I started
2: heading down that route, and then I went, "Oh my gosh, they're going to give me some stick about my age." <laughs>
3: I <laughs> you tried to pretend to us once that you were 37. And ever since I have you, no idea what you tried to pretend that. We have to pretend you were the same age as me. <laughs> <laughs> um, Everyone's got a calculator right now. So, how old does that make him?
2: For all the world, as though Worlds were going to do it, and they got a penalty in this match. If I'm not mistaken. I in, in fact I, I remember the commentary so well, very dramatic. Barry Davis was doing his usual magnificent job on commentary for the BBC. Um uh, there was a penalty that was given. I even remember his commentary. He said, was he held? Was he held? Yes. And then the penalty. And you think to yourself, this is it. And of all the players that could have stepped up, Paul Bowden. Now, no disrespect to Paul, but there were some more illustrious names in that team who I expected to want the opportunity to grab what would have been an iconic goal And they handed it to him and he hit the crossbar, and that was it. And Wales would wait, as we now know, another couple of decades for another opportunity at a major tournament. So, for them to get to the World Cup, you know, this time around, honestly, I am so, so pleased. And I don't just say that like, sort of blithely, if you like. No. I say it because there's the, the quality that have been deprived of the opportunity to to grace the greatest stage. Let's not kid ourselves, even Gareth Bale, you know, yeah, five Champions Leagues and he's a wonderful inspiration, but he's not the player he used to be and I would have loved to have seen him on uh, the the world stage sooner, just as I was heartbroken not to see Ryan Giggs on the world stage in 1994, it would have been at USA. Um, So yeah, I I am delighted with them. I do think some of their parts, yes, they might not be illustrious names, but I still think we've seen many times in major tournaments when you put them together and there is a spirit and there is a belief that they can overcome maybe some of the more um, higher profile sides. And just two other quick, very quick points. Gareth, by the word on the street, Crook, you'll know this, doing the transfers, is that he may now sign a short-term contract with a club in South Wales just to keep his fitness up. He wouldn't have done had they not qualified, but the word is that he's going to do that. And you mentioned Rob Page. I think very, very often in football, we get carried away by the big names in charge of big, uh, in charge of national teams, and we think, "Oh my goodness, who is this taking on? Surely he's got to be the caretaker." And we, you know, we can be quite disrespectful in some respects. Uh, and when it looked as though Ryan Giggs wasn't going to continue, that was, as I heard it, very much the feeling. So for Rob Page to actually do what so many other Coaches of Wales couldn't honestly. He, you talk about heroes. He is probably the most heroic of the lot.
3: I, I thought there was a great image at the end where Connor Roberts is screaming with delight on his knees, hands thrust into the air. And in the same picture, there is a Ukrainian player on their knees with their hands rubbing their thighs and their body stooped and their head falling towards the chest, tears pouring from Mikhailo Mudrik's eyes because the contrast of emotions, one celebrating, one absolutely devastated. But I've got to say that the Welsh players to a man, every one of them, after the initial euphoria, very quickly up on their feet and consoling those from Ukraine and showing a huge deal of respect and empathy in a moment of unbelievable triumph. So, uh, you know, respect to to those players who managed to do that and carried themselves in such a way. I really enjoyed Euro 2016 with Wales, following them around the country. I was at the semifinal. Um, I was at the quarterfinal as well. Brilliant, brilliant matches. And uh, I, I know that the, the Welsh support will absolutely follow their team with heart, desire, passion and fun. The other great thing about the Welsh support they're just great fun. They really enjoy themselves. They love a bit of fancy dress. They love the colour. They, they bring a little bit of energy to it. It's a, There's a niceness to it. And I, and I think, you know, that celebratory mood is the kind of mood that we want when we go to major tournaments. You know, we talk a lot about the Dutch fans and the colour they bring because they all wear orange and they all seem to be in, in great spirits all the time. The Welsh are very much like that as well. So, you know, good luck to them. Enjoy it. Try and get there if you can. Uh, we're covering the whole tournament on talk sport as well, so make sure uh, that you uh, take us with us, uh, with you, wherever you go. Right. Um, I'm not sure that it's as happy in the England camp this morning as it is in the Wales camp. In fact, it'd probably be impossible to be as happy in any camp. But England, a little bit downbeat after what was one of the most disappointing performances of Gareth Southgate's reign.
5: Welcome to Budapest. A hot late afternoon under azure skies, in such stark contrast to the cool damp morning. Now, welcome to the Puskas Arena in the east of the capital, named after the greatest Hungarian player of them all. Bowen peels away out towards the far post, and Kane opened up the body and went for the top right-hand corner, but put it wide. Nil-nil on Talksport. Nago plays it inside the area. awkwardly is going to be cleared off the line by Cody, and Pickford was far from happy. At the amount of space that Nago had on the right, he fired it inside the penalty area, Solvay Salah got there first, goalkeeper off his line, Pickford sees it drift over his shoulder and wide. It was an inspirational attempt from Salah, he was inside the centre circle, and he knows that Pickford's got this advanced starting position and as soon as it came to him, he tried his luck, it bounced once, and he wrapped his right foot underneath it, and Pickford was beaten all ends up, and he sailed about a foot wide, that's a massive level. Oh, it was a special attempt, wasn't it, from Adam Salai. And it's going to be Sobischle against Jordan Pickford, who's produced some heroic moments facing penalties in his England career. Can he produce another one here? He can't! Sobischle drills it into the bottom left-hand corner. England trail in Hungary with 25 minutes to go, a soft penalty yes, but a poor England performance and Hungary will feel that over the strength of what they produced in more than an hour, they deserve the advantage and it is Hungary's first win over England for 66-0 years and they've deserved it.
3: Well, in the words of uh, the great Barry and you mentioned him a little bit earlier on, Darren. Oh dear, oh dear, oh dear. Because it really was a terrible performance on Saturday night. And having watched as many England games as I have over the course of the last few years, I can't easily recall a worse one. I think maybe Czech Republic when they lost 2-1 towards the end of 2019 is about as close as I can come. But ultimately... This was dispiriting for a couple of reasons. One, because actually there was a few names in that team that I was really looking forward to seeing. James Justin, uh, Jude Bellingham starting in the game, Jared Bowen starting in the game as well. Trent Alexander-Arnold starting at right wing back. I think it's right wing back. Was it right wing back? Central midfield, right back. He's got number seven on his back. What the hell's going on? You know, it was all just a little bit unclear to me, really, what England were trying to do. The gap between the midfield and the front, when the front three players were trying to press was ginormous. Crook, what did you think?
4: I thought it was a mess, um, to be honest. And and you asked Darren, did he watch more of the Jubilee or or more Nations League at the weekend? He said Nations League. I think my answer would be different. I actually turned this game off at half-time. I was looking after my two-year-old daughter. I'd made her watch the racing from Epson all day. She just about (laughs) tolerated the first half but by half time, she wanted CBs on hashtag and hashtag great parenting. <laughs> and, and, I, and I couldn't put up much of a fight to keep the England game on. Oh, I did is then. that social service? Yeah. <laughs> I did then go and and watch the second half back later. Probably shouldn't have made the effort because the England players didn't make the effort. Let's be honest. But apart from Jared Bowen, I don't think anybody uh, comes out of that game with any credit. And I would include Gareth Southgate on that. I think it was uh, fuel to the fire for those of us who think he is too negative. Um, He didn't need a back three against Hungary. Basically, it was an eight-man defence, as you say, the gap between the midfield and and Harry Kane was far too vast. And actually, it was a good endorsement of Kevin De Bruyne's comments about this Nations League being glorified friendlies. Gareth Southgate pretty much admitted afterwards he's not taking this tournament seriously. He's
3: using it as warm-up matches for the World Cup and he's going to rotate his squad. Yeah, well, it's pretty um, a a damning indictment if that is the case because everybody else apart from Belgium and England seems to be taking it quite seriously, Darren. uh, Netherlands looks pretty impressive. I did Spain-Portugal the other day for the World Feed on commentary and it was an absolutely terrific game and I saw one of the best performances by a 17-year-old I think I've ever seen uh, in Gavi in the heart of the Spanish midfield. It was absolutely terrific and he's definitely going to be a superstar going forward. I watched Germany against Italy on Saturday night. I thought that was Absolutely terrific and Italy basically did as well rotate quite a lot of players and brought a lot of young players into the squad I even watched a little bit of San Marino versus Malta on Sunday and that too was a terrific game and the one thing about the Nations League is it pits teams of similar abilities together and the most worrying thing to me is, is that Hungary and England looked of a similar ability and that is really scary um, they played Germany on Tuesday night it's going to be very difficult if they perform in that vein to get anything from that game, isn't it? Because Germany played pretty well against uh, Italy. They've got some good young players themselves. They've got fast, dynamic attacks. Serge Gnabry, uh, Musiala, who'll have a point to prove against England. Um, i I'd tell you what, I'd be a little bit scared going to Munich.
2: I don't think they'll be scared at all I think a lot of those players have played in big matches against big players in uh, Iconic Arena so I'm not too worried about that I think the great thing about this podcast is that the three of us just as you think we all agree on something either you two will come at me or us two will come at you Um, and I think you two might come at me for this opinion but I wasn't too worried by the weekend um, for, for a couple of reasons Whatever Gareth Southgate does, he will not be judged on how England do in a Nations League.
3: I agree with that. Absolutely
2: not. I I watched your, um, I listened to your talk sports show when you were incredulous, Sam, at some of the negativity towards Gareth Southgate because he'd reached a European Championship final and went out on penalties. Um, In private, the three of us have talked about the fact that, well, I pointed out to you two, that when, when we see England now, we need to see an England that's evolved from the England team that played three at the back in the Euros. We can't be playing any more safety first with somebody attacking talent that we've got. And that was the thing that disappointed me about the weekend. It looked, again, to be safety first. Round pegs, sorry, square pegs, round holes again. Uh, and it was a throwback to the days when we didn't have the talent at our disposal. Um mm. But set against that, it's the first of four games where he's got the opportunity to uh, experiment. Remember, the season starts, he won't have any more opportunities next season to do it. So he's got to get it right going into the summer. He has to have an idea of the way he wants to play. He has to give people chances. There are lots of different things he has to do. So, yeah, I think it's right that he uses the Nations League as that sounding board if you like. And I think that if he didn't, all of us would criticize him and say he had those games. Why didn't he try things out? Absolutely give people opportunities.
3: Absolutely. And I'll and I'll and I'll and I'll say that Although I was incredibly disappointed with the performance on Saturday, I wasn't using it as a brick back to beat uh, Gareth Southgate. You heard the show that I did on Sunday in which I was completely bemused by the fact that people used it straight away as a reason to have a go at Gareth Southgate and say how oh, you know, they'll never win anything with him in charge. Outrageous. He's lost one game out of 23 in 90 minutes and taking, people to, uh, taking uh, the country to a European final. Obviously, to overreact would be stupid. Um, I just was disappointed. We, we, I was just disappointed. Quickly.
2: We 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 have a very uh, d- d- sort of uh, I want to use a different word, but imperialistic view sometimes of football. When I say we, I mean we as a nation. You know, there was a, a lot of store being set by the fact that it was the first time in sixty-two years
3: or whatever it is that we've lost. More 100- worrying, Darren, was the fact that they beat them four-nil nine months ago. Actually, that was that was more that was more worrying to me.
2: Well, yeah, but I think Southgate looked at it and thought, I'm, I'm not going to be judged on how I do against Hungary in the Nations League, but I do need to see how some of these players can fit in my ta- into my tactical strategy. I do need to track the system. I do need to see what works. There were lots of reasons why he fielded the side that he did.
3: Absolutely. And, and I totally get that. And I know that there's only these four games, then there's two games in September and then the World Cup starts. There's no warm-up matches, no nothing. And I totally get that. Uh, and at a European Championships, you can use almost those first three games of the group to sort of ease yourself into the tournament before you play the last 16, the quarterfinals, hopefully then the semifinals and the final. But, but, a World Cup is slightly different. Slightly different, because three teams don't go through from the group stages. It is just the, the two that go through who top the group. And you can't afford a bad start. You can't ease yourself into the tournament. So England will have to be ready. So any criticism that does come his way will certainly be amplified if they don't beat Iran on the opening day. If um, they
2: don't get past the quarterfinals, but he wins the Nations League, do you think he'll keep his job?
3: Yeah.
4: Crook? I think so. I don't see an heir to the throne. I think he's got a lot of credit in the bank. Um, One of the other things that Sam said on the Sunday session was that all cycles come to an end. It's very unusual for one nation to go uh, deep into a European Championship and then reach, sorry, deep into a World Cup, then reach a European Championship final, reach a, a Nations League semi-final eventually all good things come to an end. I think this World Cup is going to be more difficult uh, for England than people
3: anticipate. Well, that's the thing I said to you both privately. You know, ultimately, it, Nations League semi-final, World Cup semi-final, final of the European Championships, not many teams that then will go on and, and then compete in the last four of, of, of a major tournament for a fourth time in a row. It, it, sometimes that doesn't happen. It might be that they take a step back to eventually then take a step forward.
2: Uh, all I'm saying is that the Nations League <clears throat> is not important. I know we... we so like, I agree. I agree.
4: With,
3: but I, the Nations I, League has come
2: into being because people were sick of friendlies and in quote-unquote meaningless friendlies.
3: I, so I, 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 I think in the future, future it will tournament. be important. I think in the future it will be important. And World Cup qualifiers, European qualifiers, will end up going to the wayside and the Nations League will take over as a, a way of qualification and actually become quite a, a prestigious thing to have in and the future. And not now. But right now, in this current edition, and we've talked about this as well, it's sandwiched in between um, two seasons, trying to fulfil fixtures because of broadcast contract, because of the delay to the pandemic, uh, and the World Cup being a stupid time of year. So everything is, is messed up. So it has diminished it in some people's eyes. Now, someone like Italy, for example, who are not going to the World Cup will use this as a reason to try and elevate themselves back uh, to some level of uh, credibility. And actually Mancini will use it to try and keep his job. Um, the the Bel- I'm surprising the Belgians really, to be honest with you. I know they want, they want to try and win the World Cup, but they, they haven't won anything and this golden generation have done absolutely nothing. So the idea that they think they can just uh, toss it off it seems to me a little bit uh, strange, but you know that's that, that that's up to them. But um this Germany game, let's talk about that because Germany uh, drew on Saturday night with Italy. Um actually they went 1-0 down and then they came back very very quickly. They play fast front foot football. They 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 they're in your face and actually England playing a back 3 on Tuesday night, wouldn't worry me that much. I'd actually be quite pleased to see England play in a back three, have two high uh, and wide uh, wing-backs, and three players who can dart on the counter-attack. That would be a recipe for success against the Germany team. I just didn't get it against Hungary. How do you think it'll pan out, Darren?
2: I I, I hope, and I actually don't think... I hope we play a four. I don't think England's players are happy with a five. Um, because... It, City don't play with a five. Liverpool don't play with a five. Um, Chelsea do on occasion, uh, but they haven't had the best of seasons, particularly defensively, uh, with a five. Um, So I'd like to see us play with a four and really take the game to Germany. Again, Germany are not the greatest vintage. They're nowhere near the force of old. We are. And when we were not as strong as we were back in the day, Germany were. But nobody cared. Everyone just lauded them to the skies. It's time for us to impose our attacking abilities on teams that are maybe not in the best form. And why should we be frightened of Germany? Who do you want to see then? Um, To be honest with you, I don't really mind what constellation of players it is, just as long as we set up with a four, with an attack-minded formation, with a team that says we have belief in our attacking capability because I look at the Germany team and there's nobody that frightens me. There's nobody of the quality of the players that we all have grown up watching.
3: Leroy L- um, L- Sane frightens me a little bit. No,
2: he doesn't. He wasn't good enough for City when... Ossiala uh, L- frightens me a little a bit. is a decent...
3: Leon Goretzka frightens me a little bit. a decent midfielder,
2: but is he particularly... Is, is he that much better than some of the midfielders that we've got? Ru- Rudiger's quite, quite handy. Rüdiger's quite handy, but so is Stone. So is James. So is Chilwell. I mean...
3: He nearly said Maguire the, cog, for a the Cogs went going. I was thinking, have we got any... <laughs> I was going to say Maguire and
2: then I had to go back on <laughs> <laughs> No, but no, but no. but You're going through the, the Germany team and you're picking out decent players, yeah. good players, but none of them are of the vintage of old. Some of them... Several of them have won trophies alongside England players for English teams. Joshua so let create this narrative that they're vastly
3: superior. Not vastly Superiors. superior, but they're a good team. They're a good team. They're well I said, coached. Always. I think I said, they're. A why best...
2: are you doing this? Why do we do this? All the opposition, they're always better. No matter no, how England no, are, no, no, no. you out, can't accuse me of doing that. that. Of
3: all people, you can't accuse now. me of doing that. I'm just you're telling you what I think. You're, you're making generally... my voice go
4: high pitched. <laughs> can, can, can I settle this little squabble I think what we can say is that this Germany team are better than the team that England beat at the European Championships I think it yeah. will be uh, more of a test that was quite a routine win uh, for England in the end and listen we've been talking is the Nations League important is it glorified friendlies the one thing we know when England meet Germany it's never friendly and, and they'll be on a revenge mission because of what happened uh, at the European Championship it will be quite a hostile atmosphere in Munich so I think this is a big test of character for England in answer to your question uh, before uh, Darren got very defensive uh, of this group of England players, I think Jarrah Bowen has to start. I think, you know, when you produce that kind of performance on your debut, the one player to come out with any credit, he would be disappointed if he suddenly found himself on the bench.
3: Yeah, I also yeah. like to see attacking changes. And if we do need a goal, can we bring on Tammy Abraham? Because I think he's quite good at scoring them from what I've seen over the course of the year. Rather I than love, love on you, Calvin Tammy. <laughs> <laughs> do you know what? I'm going to I'm going to lay it out there. I do have a Roma shirt with number nine Abraham on the back. It's true. I actually have got one of those. Sam, can I just go back to Kroos? I mean, when when you look at the Germany
2: team, Werner's not pulled up trees for Chelsea. Uh, Muller's probably nearly as old as me. Um, either side have done that old. Oh, okay, maybe not that old. um uh, <laughs> and Sane either side. Well, again, like I said, I'm not that worried about Sané uh, he's very hit and miss his own product people are going to maybe come at me with statistics but I just think in the Premier League he couldn't really cut it for City Nabru's a quality player um, but and at the set obviously at centre half you've got um, Sula yeah. and Rudiger at centre half are good players obviously they've got a world-class keeper but you know, you could run through our team and you could pick out any number of attacking talents. Maybe our weakest position perhaps is centre-half. Yeah. Um, and obviously Pickford's not in the same class as Neuer. But, you know, I go through the team where we've got scoring capability, creative flair, pace. We have a quality in the central midfield positions. belligan has been playing against top-class opposition all season uh, for Borussia Dortmund. And I just think... Mm-hmm. I can't buy into this narrative that we should be worried about going to Germany when we've been to Germany and won in the recent past and we have the players and the
3: squad. Okay, okay. Unless it's hot. Because if it's hot, then, we, you know, we probably can't do that. We can't go if it's hot. Just on the goal, just on the go, just on the goalkeeper situation. Does
4: Pickford keep his place, or is this a chance maybe to to test Aaron Ramsdale against quality opposition? Because knowing his character, I think he would relish the opportunity to play in this game.
3: Oh, I think they've got to rotate the goalkeepers at some point during this uh, this period because they need to have a look at Ramsdale in a competitive fixture. They probably need to uh, uh, rotate at centre half as well. Tomori, I think, is going to need at least a game because he's going to be part of the World Cup squad on current evidence. Um, so he'll have to play at some point. Don't know if it'll be this game or it might be the game against Hungary at uh, Um, But um, yeah, I think, that, listen, I, I think actually, do you know what England missed on Saturday? They missed Jordan Henderson. Mm. It's Jordan Henderson's mouth. They missed Jordan Henderson barking orders, raising people's tempo. Remember the European Championship final, actually, and everyone goes on about the changes that didn't happen at the right time. When they did bring on Jordan Henderson, the game did change. England got control of it again because he has the ability to raise people's performances. And I wonder whether or not we'll see him from the start in munich it is live on Talksport. looking forward to it and uh, we'll all be uh, paying close attention and we'll have a proper debrief when it comes to uh, later in the week there are some other big stories that have been happening around international football though we'll get to that next
0: now hold that please level five thank you ah you must be one of our new interns yeah hi nice to meet you hi now the most important thing to know is to hurts in the bypassal rise plug sale the most important thing is what sorry the single most important thing is to work, in the channel has been bingus of the bypass or rise plug sale and you'll be fine. Uh, yeah, that sounds important. Does
1: work chat all sound like gibberish to you? Find collaborative articles with tips from the LinkedIn community to help you get through those tricky conversations.
0: Making work make sense?
1: LinkedIn knows how.
0: Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans.
1: There's a lot more to those ninety minutes than what goes down on the pitch. With the latest odds, form guides and expert opinions, you'll know the score with Labrooks. Odds update on Talk Sport with Labrooks, are you in? Let's go. Play at LabRooks.com eighteen plus be Ts and Cs apply. We all
3: love a training ground bust-up, but was the uh, uh, pictures that you saw overnight from uh, the Brazil camp uh, just a little bit of hijinks or was it a proper bust-up? Well, Richarlas is not known for being the funniest guy in the world. However, there was a bit of slap and tickle going on. And interestingly, a lot of people reported that this was quite a bust-up between Vinicius Jr., and uh, Richarlison uh, during the training session uh, ahead of Japan's uh, for Brazil's friendly with Japan in Turkey on Monday night. But ultimately, um, well, we've seen the video now, and I, I still can't work out whether or not. Well, actually, I think it's probably initially a bit of a joke. But whether or not Richarlison takes it that way as it as it progresses, I don't know. But uh, just shows a little bit of high jinks in the Brazil camp, doesn't it? I think it's the first time I've seen Richarlison smile, um, to be honest. (laughs) It was
4: only a little (laughs) one, to be fair. (laughs) Certainly the first time that I've seen him laugh. But yeah, you're right, on first view, it doesn't look great. But as as the video goes on, I think it is uh, just a bit of a a mess about maybe some kind of uh, initiation for Vinicius Junior. Uh, And maybe suggest that Brazil, one of the
3: favourites for the World Cup, are are in a good place at this moment in time.
2: Yeah,
4: Yeah, Vinicius Junior
3: also scoring the, the winning goal in the Champions League. So maybe he was giving a bit of banter to Richarlison, Darren.
2: Yeah, yeah, I agree with with what Crook just said. I think it's uh, more slap. I was going to say more slap, less tickle.
3: (laughs) (laughs) It's a different (laughs) podcast. (laughs) That's Mickey Gray's podcast. Yeah,
2: exactly. You've got to press the red red button for that one. Um, I think as far as um, Richarlison's concerned, Crook's right. He's a big baby. Um, Very often we see him... Um, wearing his heart on his sleeve and respond too quickly to certain things. And he doesn't look at, in training here. I'm just looking at it as I'm speaking. And it looks as though he's deserving of his slap, but he doesn't want it. He's trying to <laughs> get away. And when he's just doing in the boys are grabbing him saying, no, 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 you come here, you take your slap. And they give him a few slaps on the back of his head and his neck. Um, and even then, he should be joining in with the fun and seeing the spirit of it. And he's still looking as though... Maybe he wants to have a little cry. Such a baby.
3: <laughs> <laughs> maybe he maybe just heard Crook's joke.
4: What was yeah, your joke? You, you made a joke about it. I'm sure you did. No, uh, it wasn't me. It must have been someone else. I think you did. Can you tell us? <laughs> No, there was a there was a tweet during the rounds that, you know... Which you've tried to pass off as your own. Yeah, yeah no, on. I'm not even going to go there. Go on, no, come on, Move no, on. come on, come on. Well, apparently, Vinicius <laughs> Jr. told him that he wasn't good enough to win the league. He said, I can't argue with that. You're not good enough to win the Champions League. I can't argue with that. You're not as good as Lukaku. And then apparently, he just got the hump.
3: <laughs> <laughs> that tumbleweed. I can't believe you made me retell that. Um Also not funny is the predicament that Northern Ireland find themselves in. They drew nil-nil with Cyprus um, and 600 Northern Ireland supporters that had made the uh, trip to Larnaca jeered and whistled at the end of the game, Um, mainly because, um, I mean this is now 12 matches in the Nations they played 12 matches in the Nations league. they've never won a game in the Nations League now the thing is is that you could say well yeah but it's Northern Ireland they shouldn't be expected to win but it's the Nations League so by its very definition you're put up against people who are of the same ability level as you I mean it's pretty embarrassing for Ian Barraclough isn't it Darren yeah uh, three wins in 18 games for him uh, Ian
2: Barraclough over uh, what is it two years um, he's not managed to be a team 51 places below them um, he says that he's got thick skin and that he can cope with uh, the criticism with the pressure but I think it will continue to grow they're in this poor run at the moment they're not even playing football that great and we've seen with managers that have come in and taken charge of Northern Ireland that you can get some of the parts to work together in a way that does get results. So I think that pressure will continue to grow and privately they'll be looking to see if they can find some options to maybe generate some enthusiasm around the side because I think morale is very low and eventually it will start to affect the players. Shows um, how
4: good a job Michael O'Neill did, to be honest, yeah. you know, yeah. because Northern Ireland don't have a pool, a pool of quality players to pick from. League One... Championship, So, you know, I think they punched above their weight under Michael O'Neill.
3: Having said that, they were expected to win this Nations League group in terms of seedings. They should be beating Cyprus. Yeah. Mm. I mean, Greece, everyone says that Greece was a disappointing result, but at least Greece have got a little bit of heritage. I mean, mean, not beating Cyprus is pretty embarrassing. Um, uh, The big story coming from North America over the last 24 hours is the fact that Canada's men's team, who have qualified for the World Cup in 2022 for only the second time in their history, went on strike just hours before their friendly against Panama. The game didn't happen. Um, it's a bit of an odd situation, isn't it? You know, it's to do with pay and equal pay and getting a certain percentage of the, the prize money. But the idea that you get to a World Cup and then you're still in dispute with the uh, the national body and there's a bit of disharmony between the organisation and the players going into your first World Cup in 150 years or whatever it is, it, it's... it's it's, it's a bit of a sad state of affairs, isn't it? Yeah, clearly qualifying for the tournament has empowered
4: the players. I wonder if they t- would have taken the same course of action uh, had they missed out. They feel they're coming from a, a position of strength, obviously got a lot of popularity uh, amongst the supporters. But it's, it's disappointing, you know, because this should be their, their moment of glory. They should be relishing that. And and the fact it's being overshadowed by a financial row is a shame. And let's hope it can get sorted uh, long before they board the plane for Qatar I seem to remember similar things have happened with some of the smaller nations that have qualified for World Cups in the past. So this is not necessarily a new situation, but I've got to say, it's always great to see a new country at the World Cup. And I used to have qualified once before. I, I don't remember that. So uh, I'm looking forward to seeing no how they fare in Qatar. It was, I think was it was <laughs>
3: 1994.
2: <laughs> yeah, whatever. whatever. It, it, it is a fascinating story because they, they want... of the World Cup money. They want parity for the women's team as well. Apparently, they sent an open letter to Canada Soccer, basically, uh, detailing their demands. Part of it as well is that they're unhappy with the arrangements for the World Cup itself um, in terms of uh, for their families. I think it's two tickets per player that they are eligible for, they want that to be increased understanding kind It's of so fair
3: unfair, isn't it? So, yeah, well done for getting to the World Cup. You can bring, uh, well, you know, one of your kids. I That's mean, can right. you imagine Crook being in right trouble? <laughs> I normally leave one at home anyway. Yeah,
4: true.
2: <laughs> that one can go to the racing. Do <laughs> they have a racetrack in Montreal? Yeah, right, yeah. But no, I mean, I think that, I think it's, the, the sad thing about it is, the Canada story is a particularly inspirational one uh, in terms of the job that they've done, the head coach, the summer John Herdman. I mean, th- there are so many things. As the as tournament gets closer, we'll find out more and more about it. But he's done a fantastic job. And yeah, it has all kind of developed into recrimination. Hopefully they'll get that resolved fairly soon because it would be a shame if they were not to bring their best selves to the party.
3: A um, couple of other bits and pieces. Good news for uh, Manchester as a whole, United and City. Anthony Alanger scored for Sweden. Bad news Erlen Haaland scored twice for Norway. Same game. Uh, Norway beat Sweden uh, away by two goals to one. Um, so, uh, certainly the blue half of Manchester having a better weekend. No shock there. Um, uh, but uh, he's obviously in great goal scoring form. I think 18 goals now in 19 games for Norway. Pretty impressive.
4: Yeah, um, and again, ominous for, for the rest of the Premier League. I, I still think this is a fascinating transfer because I've spoken to a couple of our Bundesliga experts. Obviously, who have watched Haaland regularly. He's not necessarily the, the type of conformative player that the Pep Guardiola would usually go for. He's a bit more maverick than that. And obviously, we've seen with Jack Grealish, that doesn't always work for Pep Guardiola. So we're assuming he's going to hit the ground running, but it's the old cliche that sometimes these players need a couple of seasons under Pep to, to really hit their stride. So let, let's see how it works out. I'm just trying to give the rest of the Premier League hope here,
3: by the way, that, that maybe Erling Haaland won't come in and score 55 goals next season. Uh, congratulations to uh, Grimsby, who did very well uh, at the London Stadium. They've been promoted to the Football League after extra time. They beat Solihull Moors 2-1. It was a brilliant game, actually. Lots of chances, lots of missed chances in that game, but a good game. So congratulations to Paul Hurst for getting them back up. And congratulations to the Darren Lewis of the Premier League. James Milner, uh, who has agreed a one-year contract extension with Liverpool, which is taking him into his fourth decade, I think. A fifth decade,
2: well, probably. Well, well and, and, uh, the, the interesting thing is that it's fascinating because you obviously promised me improved terms with the, the, the pod as well. So um, I'm quite looking forward to our conversation after we come off air.
3: OK, right, that's it from us. <laughs> We're all this off. This is to... not going to edit that one out, is she? <laughs> <laughs> We're all off to go and get a bratwurst and a stein of beer and watch England against Germany on Tuesday night. Uh, thank you very much for downloading the Game Day podcast from Talk Sport. Uh, make sure you tune in to Talk Sport this week because we've got a host of international football as the UEFA Nations League kicks into full swing. And of course, we'll be back later in the week to have a look at uh, the games against Italy and Hungary for England, which are upcoming as well thank you Darren have a good day Bingo. you too and Crookie uh, thank you very much have a good day I'll see you in about 10 minutes when we come I'm up gonna say, I'm, I'm not going to have a good day because I've got three <laughs> hours to spend with you in the studio but Danny Murphy will be there so that's yes all. okay right speak to you later have a good one uh, thank you very much for listening I appreciate that and keep uh, downloading the podcast from Talks Talksport and tell all your friends about it
1: Making work make sense? LinkedIn knows how.